Greetings, strange feathers. I'm James. And I'm your friendly neighborhood swamp witch, Emma. <laughs> she is. And it is our distinct honor to welcome you to that strange podcast. Yeah. Still strange. Welcome to that that place where all the strange from the world coagulates into a giant ball of long-winded banter. You know, that, that really is our brand at this point. Long-winded banter. I, I think we should continue to steer in that direction. I, for one, love it. Hey, I'm not mad at it. I'm not. That could be my own personal brand, so it works perfectly. Right? Yeah. Uh, I just want to find a way to insert more Drag Race references for my personal brand, Mm -hmm. and then I think it'll be perfect. Yeah. Why? Because we're all born naked and the rest is drag. Ooh. It's very true. What you want to do is not necessarily what you're going to do. Absolutely. The cheek, the nerve, the gall, the audacity, and the gumption. (laughs) Girl. Hey, speaking of, how's about uh, Drag Race UK this season? Oh, bitch. I am sliving. Sliving for? Uh, All of it? Same. I'm kind of like, I think I'm, I think I'm on Team Kitty. I mean, yeah, but can we have a conversation about Ella Day? No, I I love Ella Day. That's fair. I mean, I guess if that's what you're into, though, or whatever. The slander, bitch. Ella is an absolute <laughs> icon, and hello, four badges. Okay, I'm not not a fan. I'm just maybe a little more about Kitty right now. Do you know what I mean? So you're saying live on this podcast <laughs> that Ella Vaday is an absolute piece of shit. She I, listens to this podcast. I, I, I never <laughs> said that. Okay. I never said that. Don't put words in my mouth. I highly, and also I highly doubt that she would listen. I'm sure she does. It's widely known. <laughs> and r- roll the tapes back. Yeah, you no, said what you said. Go ahead. Roll them. I'm confident in what I said. Whatever. Let's continue this discussion after Ella wins. Mm. Well, I'd actually like to talk about it, so we can talk about it after Kitty wins. <laughs> Either way, I'm happy no matter who wins, as long as it's not Crystal. Oh, hey, look, we found some common ground. Well, that's <laughs> rare. I'm so used to you being wrong. Girl, why are you coming for me so? Because I'm a messy bitch who loves drama. Oh my god, honestly, same. I'm not really mad at it. So anyway, before this becomes a RuPaul's Drag Race discussion podcast, which I'm not saying I have a problem with. You know I want to do that. Maybe we should. But I, I want to mention this. I do have a quick correction regarding last week's episode. Episode 2 with Our Diane bad. Yeah, definitely our bad. I had said that Diane Schuler's trip from Parksville, New York to West Babylon would have taken over four hours, and I was, like, dead wrong. I I looked into it. It was actually a little over two and a half hours, so that's my bad, but it doesn't really change the story that much. But anyway, this week, I believe we're here for a different purpose. We are here to tell the story of Betty and Barney Rubble. Uh, no, bitch. I told you, we're not talking about the Flintstones this week. <laughs> but aren't those their names? That I mean, that's legitimately their names, right? No, their names are Betty and Barney Hill. Oh, well. That's like the same thing. I'm not interested anymore, by the way. I, if, it's not, if it's not about Barney and Betty Rubble, I'm not interested. Just cut it now. I'm done. Cut it, yeah. Cut the check. <laughs> okay, I'm kidding. Uh, Barney and Betty Hill's case actually is um, pretty extraordinary and also very unique, 
as far as alien abduction tales go. Very true. Yeah. They basically originated alien abductions. Their story became the golden standard, kind of. And a lot of the things that they detailed in their account are found in other people's stories to this very day. Yeah, no, it, it's true. And it's pretty crazy to think about. It really is. Uh, so you think we should just get on into it? Duh. Hit me with it. Let's do it. One night in 1961, in the quaint and picturesque town of Portsmouth, New Hampshire, one couple set out for an extremely long-delayed honeymoon trip. They were looking forward to a much-needed vacation, but what they got was anything but a little R&R. According to the Hills, they were abducted by aliens that night, held both physically and mentally captive for hours. They were also tortured, tested, and prodded within an inch of their sanity. And then they were returned, once the aliens had had their way with them. While the Hills were not the first people to sight a UFO or claim an abduction, their story certainly changed the game. Eventually, Barney and Betty Hill's story uh, of extraterrestrials has been has become known as the story that, quote, defined a genre and became the, quote, gold standard for extraterrestrial encounter stories, you know, that followed. So this week, join us as we take a closer look at the alleged abduction of Barney and Betty Rebel. I mean, Hill. <laughs> Who they were as actual people, the horrors they faced that night, and the enduring legacy that surrounds the mysterious and unbelievable story of a close encounter that will surely send chills down your spines. All right, so let's get into it. Let's do it. So Barney and Betty Hill were a couple from Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Ooh, that sounds like, you just said Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and I got this, like, vision of, like, this really, like, cute, picturesque, kind of sleepy ocean town vibe. Very that. Everything I saw was very that. Like, Waterfront towns, on the ocean, gorgeous. I love that. So the Hills reported their alien abduction by extraterrestrials occurring on September 19th, 1961. And this was actually the very first widely publicized report of such an occurrence in the United States. Really? Yeah. Wow. Which is like major. I didn't realize that. Same. The story was even adapted into the 1966 best-selling book, The Interrupted Journey, and the 1975 TV movie, The UFO Incident, which is wild to me. It is wild. Like... I think it's cool. We should have watched that. Yeah. I want to watch that now. I was looking on all of our streaming services, and they're very hard to find. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh And because they're so old. Yeah. Uh, So Barney worked for the United States Postal Service as a mailman. Male, male person, male, male human, <laughs> Ma- male, male deliverer. Uh, I feel like male person. No, I, I get it because like shouldn't say mailman, but he was male identifying. Like, so I feel like I can say mailman. Yeah, but you should probably say male person. Okay, so he was a male person, mm. and Betty worked <laughs> as a social worker. Which is just, like, okay, adorable. Yeah, pretty average. In a good way. No, like, like just normal, normal, hardworking people. Yeah. And they were both very active in their local church. Oh, wow. Which is, like, not my truth, but I love that for them. It's very of the time. Yeah, for sure. And they were literal leaders in their community. And they were even members of the NAACP. Okay. Barney even held a position on the local board of the United States Commission on Civil Rights. I love that. Yeah. And they were an interracial couple at a time when you didn't really see that happening much. It was the 60s. Yeah. So the Hills decided to take a spontaneous road trip since their obviously stressful life had prevented them from taking a honeymoon. And they had already been married a year and a half. And they're like... Can can you imagine? uh, Yeah, I can. (laughs) I can. What are we, how many years are we going on? We literally we just, just celebrated our six-year anniversary. And have yet to take a honeymoon. So I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. 
But in the 60s, I mean, in far general, less common than most people took honeymoons back then. Right. So, it, I mean, it's definitely a long time. Es- especially then. Yeah, absolutely. So. They're such a cute little duo. They I love really them. are. Yeah. And so for their little impromptu honeymoon. Yeah. Which is so cute. So cute. Like I imagine like, can you imagine just getting like a little Volkswagen bu- bus or like a. Right. And you're just like, like hey, camper. we got this weekend. Let's go. Yeah. Like that's just adorable. I would love that. So they decide they're going to go to Montreal and Niagara Falls. Okay. Which is a 60 mile trip each way. Okay. Not bad, but not close either. No. And because of their hectic work schedules, Barney had worked the night shift before the trip, and he didn't sleep. Oh. Right. Not you starting. should never do that. Right. Not starting off on your best foot. No. And additionally, the Hills didn't have time to go to the bank and withdraw money before it closed for the weekend, so they left with what money they had on them. $70. I mean, $70 in the 60s. I mean, that's that's enough. That's enough money to have a good time. You know what? I'm on their side with this one. You know, same. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right? I, I could see that. That's kind of not great planning, but I also think seventy dollars in 1961, you can have a good time. Oh yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of trouble you can get into for that amount of money. Oh yeah, but <laughs> strangely, they didn't good know. Trouble. Good trouble. Yes. Yeah. Good but, trouble. They didn't know, as they sipped their coffee in a tiny Vermont diner on the last night of their trip, taking time to recharge from their obvious lack of sleep, that everything was literally about to change in their lives forever. Oh, I bet they wish they could just stay in that little Vermont coffee shop forever. Oh, yeah. In a way, I wish they could, too. Oh, yeah. I'm sure that's... Yeah. That sounds lovely. It sounds lovely. Right, it just, it paints a picture. (laughs) Let's go to Vermont. You want to go to Vermont? It's like eight hours away, I think. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's do it. I say, trip to Vermont. Yes. Thundercats are go. So the hills are just, you know, they're enjoying their coffee, which again, sounds lovely. But they leave the diner around 10 p.m. Don't leave. I know, don't leave, right? (laughs) Exactly. Like like we said, stay there forever. Yes. Just do it. (laughs) But, um... So they knew they could reach their house around 2 or 3 a.m. at the latest. Um, if, if they could just manage to, you know, keep driving. So know? they're really pushing it. Yeah, and you know how when you're, you know when you're pushing it and trying to get through that drive, it can be tough. It was late, but they kept driving uh, nonetheless. Um, as they drove, they started to notice something weird in the sky. Um, they noticed a rather strange light in the sky. Hmm. So their initial reaction is obviously, ah, I'm freaked out. Clear, like, yeah. Yeah, same. So they started booking it, you know? Same. Yeah, according to Betty, the light looked like a falling star, but it grew larger and brighter with each mile that the hills drove. Yeah, I'm noping the fuck out at that point. I don't know. I'm kind of interested. I'm, I, of course you are. Yeah, I might. I think I'd be the type to follow it. You know, get my camera out and start. Yeah, like, yeah. and you're the one that drives it here. So like, <laughs> I'm just stuck in the car. Like, hey, hey. You want to go alien hunting? You know I don't. Okay, we're gonna go alien hunting. So anyway, <laughs> they see this light in the sky. They're they're booking it to get away from it. Um. Barney happened to be an avid plane watcher as well as a World War II veteran. So he's sure at this point that, you know, it's just a satellite. And he and he does his best to reassure Betty of that. As you know, as I can understand. You know, you want to you know you want especially when you have expertise expertise in the field. Right. Yeah, you want to offer some uh relief. Calm to, your partner down. Exactly. Obviously. Absolutely. And he had seen plenty of odd type things like this before you know like whether it's like a test or whatever you know he's seen it he's basically like it's okay honey i've seen it all (laughs) (laughs) right nothing would surprise me honey (laughs) you would uh, i I could tell you but then i'd have to kill you (laughs) so he he's just reassuring betty and he's he tells betty that hey maybe it's just you know a satellite that's gone off course Right? That's, that's logical to me. Actually, it is logical because it happens all the time. Honestly, when we talk about strange stuff, 
how many satellites and pieces of debris fall from space all the time. It is terrifying. You would be shook. Look I'm it good. up. Look it up. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, the light seemed to keep pace with their car as they moved. Which Mm-mm. is so creepy. I don't and, like that. Mm-hmm. So Barney's steering down these winding mountain roads in Vermont, trying to um, both seek out and avoid this UFO. It's kind of as one does, right? It's kind of like a contradiction. Like you can tell he's curious, but also I mean? like, get me the fuck out of here. But <laughs> I need to see it. <laughs> exactly. Like I, I need proof of this, but. As soon as I have proof, I'm noping out before anything happens. Again, as one does. Yeah. yeah. Well, at least that was his hope. Didn't quite go that way for Barney. Um. So they're driving. He's steering down these roads, right? You know, um, the lights bouncing around. Apparently it was zigging and zagging, like ducking behind trees, mountain ridges, going you know past the moon. Like it was all over the place, right? And it would like disappear past these places. Like, disappear past the moon and then return moments later, they said. I have to go. My Uber's outside. I love it. I'm here for it. Of course you are. Um, so, on top of that, the light appeared to move towards them. Uh-oh. And they're still just like, hey, I'm just going to drive. Well, I, I think it's at this point that they might, you know... Start to be onto the fact that maybe these people see them or at least aware of them, but yeah. I don't know because they just keep telling themselves it has to be an illusion, it has to be an illusion, it's not real, it's not real, you know. <laughs> and um, for whatever fucking reason, Barney and Betty get more curious and decide to pull over just to get a closer look. Have you ever seen any horror movie ever, Barney and Betty? Well, no, it's the 60s, but... That's fair. But, like, don't... (laughs) Maybe, but, like, don't do it. Oh, no. Just don't do it. I mean, at this point, that's common sense, regardless. But they they pull over. They're like, oh, I want to get a closer look. And looking through binoculars, Betty sees that the white light is actually some sort of object that appears to be spinning in midair. She can also see the craft flashing multicolored lights. So she gets Barney's attention, saying, quote, Barney, if you think that's a satellite or a star, you're being completely ridiculous. She wasn't a grandma. I don't know why I made her a grandma. <laughs> you know, I liked it. I but, added some nuance. <laughs> yeah. But basically, she, she, you know, she's like, no, no. That is not a satellite, Barney. That, <laughs> she's that like, is a freaking UFO, and she's we are like, in trouble. She's like, listen. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you listen up right now. <laughs> um, and Barney, he, to his credit, he was a very intelligent man. I literally, He literally had an IQ of 140. Okay, go off, Einstein. Absolutely. So he knew that they were in a remote area right and that the night was too quiet for it to be a helicopter or a jet according to him okay i mean aviation i don't get it but sure i don't know anything about aviation like i feel like just because the night's quiet doesn't mean a jet or helicopter can't be going by that's a good point but okay barney i'm i'm sticking with you thing like the night's too quiet to i don't know that's what I thought when I was researching maybe, it, but I was meant like... the craft was too quiet to be a helicopter. Right. Must be. It's kind but, of weird. Okay, Barney, I'm sticking with you. Let's hear it out. Yeah, so they decide to... Yeah, they decide to do the reasonable thing, which is obviously getting back in the car and continuing to drive. Oh, finally, some sense. Yeah, and they, they're, they're getting away. They're like, okay, curiosity fulfilled. I, I think I kind of want out. Sorry if you heard that. That was my watch beeping. <laughs> I didn't even hear it, so I don't know. <laughs> so um, at this point, the object, craft thing, whatever it was, passed above a restaurant and a signal tower. I mean, and there it- weren't cell phones then. A signal tower for what? <laughs> well, they still had, like, I don't know, like TV and phones and... um aviation fair equipment maybe okay i don't know complaint withdrawn yeah definitely not a cell phone tower they weren't out there getting 5g (laughs) no well maybe the aliens were yeah yeah yeah. okay but not them complaint withdrawn proceed okay (laughs) (laughs) 
So they were driving by this signal tower, um, and Betty testified later that it was at least one and a half times the length of the cliff profile behind them, which was estimated to be about 40 feet. Here's an idea, Betty. Just turn around and go home. Yeah, like literally, why would you stay there? (laughs) Right. Yeah. So about one mile south of of this um, signal tower and uh, diner, the object starts descending on Barney and Betty's vehicle, which happens to be a 1957 Chevrolet Bel Air, which I just wanted to put that in there because that is a badass car. Oh, that's so cute. Right. It's so, like, I feel like they need to make a movie out of this. Well, like, like a, a movie a now. now movie. Yeah, like a period piece where yeah. it's, like, really well done and, like, everything's really, like, 4K. Do this story justice. Yeah, and have the Bel Air, please. So, anyway, they're driving in their Bel Air. Um, the object's descending on it, on them and their car. It filled the hill's entire line of sight. And Barney described the craft as looking like, quote, I love this, a huge pancake. Oh, well, that makes it sound kind of cute. I know. I'm not, I'm not, I don't know that I'd be scared of a huge pancake. I'm not mad at a huge pancake. <laughs> I'm just like, where's the syrup? Right. Got some oh, and butter. the butter. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, you cannot have, you can't have a pancake without butter. <laughs> no. No, you cannot. You ever had a you ever had a pancake with peanut butter? You know, and it's so you, good. Your mom got me on those. Yeah. It's oh, so, that's right. It's yeah. so good. Oh my god, they're so good. That's like it's the so only way litter. I can. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> welcome to this pancake podcast. Drag race pancakes. You never know what you're gonna get. <laughs> hey, it's called strange for a reason, right? Fair point. <laughs> so it, there's this huge pancake in the sky. Barney recalled thinking, "Quote." My God, what is this thing? It can't be real. Same, Barney. Same. Literally, like, you can't blame him. I'd be questioning every bit of my sanity. And reality. Absolutely. So Barney, doing the only reasonable thing, (laughs) grabbed a gun that he had happened to hide beneath the driver's seat and shoved it in his pocket, just for precaution. Casual. Right. But to be fair, they were um, a biracial couple in the 60s. So Okay, well, again, complaint withdrawn. (laughs) I would have had a gun, too, in that situation. Yeah. And I don't even like them. Yeah, I think it was definitely for that kind of protection and and, and in general. Um, So after he grabs the gun, he and Betty leave the car. He rushes into the dark field, and they get closer to the craft. Through his binoculars, Barney saw about 10 gray, uniformed, humanoid beings behind rows of windows that seemed to be looking right at him. Oh, my God. (laughs) Literally. Like, I just, I'd poop my pants. Yeah. I'd shit the fuck out of my pants. (laughs) Please hold for a bathroom break. (laughs) Yeah. It'll be quick, but it'll be rusty. No one likes a shitty kitty. No. <laughs> anyway, um, so he's they're looking at him, which is the, the stuff nightmares aren't made of. Um, Barney then tries to lift his hand and you know to grab the pistol that's in his pocket, but somehow he couldn't. He later described that he heard a voice telling him not to put the, down the binoculars. Fuck all of this. Yeah. Would that give me chills? So for whatever reason, these extraterrestrials really, really wanted Barney to see them. Uh, I don't yeah. I don't think any of this. Yeah. And the, so the eyeball killer was one thing. <laughs> Aunt Diane was another. It just gets creepier every episode. Why do we do this to ourselves? I think we've really outdone ourselves. I love this one. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. I love this. And I'm a skeptic. I say, but this is creepy. <laughs> so it's about this point that Barney had quite a disturbing thought. He thought, quote, we're about to be captured. Which is like kind of the last thing you the, ever want to think. To have the foresight, to have that register in your mind must be terrifying. Absolutely. Um, so he started yelling wildly, obviously. Ran straight back to the car to Betty. I apologize. Betty was back in the car. 
and see, and Barney oh, okay. had gotten out. Yes. He leaves her in the car. Yes, I okay. misspoke. Uh, but he knew they had to get out of there. So he goes back to the car to get Betty. <clears throat> Barney starts driving, booking it again. Betty's tracking the movement of the craft as they're driving down the road. Suddenly, without any warning, without any explanation, the hills suddenly hear a loud, rhythmic beeping sound coming from the trunk of the car. No. (laughs) Yeah. The couple started to feel drowsy and immediately lost consciousness. They woke up two hours later, roughly, about... Mm, 35 miles down the road. Cut it out. Now, quite understandably, Barney and Betty were far from relieved once they arrived home in Portsmouth. Around dawn? I yeah, think I, what I read. Yeah, I would be pretty pretty unhappy if I was just abducted, too. Yeah, I would be fucking shook. Yeah. So Barney and Betty both felt kind of dirty, they recalled. Hmm. Yeah, Barney's shoes had strange scuff marks. Okay. What do they mean by strange? Do you know? They weren't normal wear and tear. Okay. They were like very foreign scuff marks. Okay. And Betty's dress was ripped and stained with a strange pink powder. Huh. The strap on Barney's binoculars was also broken, and there were mysterious markings all over the car. Whoa. Right? Yeah. fucking nope out of there. Barney felt strangely compelled to examine the lower half of his body, and both of the hills seemed very aware of a presence that hadn't been there before their trip. Like a presence with them? It's what it sounded like to me in everything I read. Like like an observer of some sorts. Yeah. Well, I immediately thought of a demon. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Or an alien. Some watchery thing. Yeah. Oh, wow. So it's on September 21st, 1961, that Betty makes a phone call to Pease Air Force Base to report their experience. Okay. But Work. She, yeah. She's kind of afraid of being labeled an eccentric, though. Yeah. So. I get that. Yeah. And with them being an interracial couple, she doesn't want oh, any yeah. added pressure. Yeah. So she, with, she withholds some of the details. And on September 22nd, Major Paul Henderson calls the Hills for a more detailed interview. Okay. Interestingly, in his report, dated September 26th, Henderson determined that the Hills had probably misidentified the planet Jupiter. Uh, wait, 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 wait. A planet? Yeah. That... Stationary in the sky. Mm-hmm. Big old planet. And, and he that you need a telescope to see. Looked like a pancake that was chasing them. Yeah. That's... Oh, it gets better. Uh, However, this was later changed to, quote, optical condition. Then it was changed to, quote, inversion. And then it was changed to, quote, insufficient data. What? So man's changed his story a number of times about what the hills saw. Okay. His report was forwarded to Project Blue Book, which, looking into it, is the U.S. Air Force's UFO research project. Okay. Which, before I researched this case, I didn't even know existed. No, I had never heard of that. Yeah, same. Um, And within days of the encounter, Betty went to the local library and checked out a book on UFOs that was written by a man named Donald Kehoe, who was the head of NICAP. Now, for those of you that don't know... Myself included, because I looked this up. And I'm just sitting here <laughs> saying it like everyone else. NICAP, yeah, I know, thanks. <laughs> NICAP stands for the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena. Uh, it's a, it's basically a UFO research group, and it was, I think it only lasted from like the 50s to the 80s. The more you know. Thank you, because I didn't bother to look up any of that. (laughs) That's what I'm here for. So, she finds this book by this man who was the head of NICAP. Yeah. And on September 26th, the date of that guy's report on them, she writes a letter to Donald Kehoe, the head of NICAP. Yeah. And her letter gets passed on to Walter Webb. Okay. Who was a Boston astronomer and an ICAP member. Oh. 
Walter Webb met with the Hills on October 21st. And after a six-hour interview, Webb stated, quote, They were telling the truth, and the incident probably occurred exactly as reported, except for some minor uncertainties and technicalities that must be tolerated in any such observations where human judgment is involved. Hmm. And I find that interesting because, like, this is a guy whose entire life is to study this, mm-hmm. and he's like, it's true. Right. But then on the other hand, it's his entire life's to study work to study it. Yeah. Of course he wants it to be true. Well, that's true. You would want nothing more than, yeah. So it kind of, like, cancels itself out almost, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. That's a um, good point. So 10 days after the incident, Betty begins suffering from night terrors about the abduction. Oh, no. Yes. Fuck that. Barney develops severe ulcers and debilitating anxiety. Oh, no. Yeah, not great for these two. No. So the couple decides to seek out the help of Benjamin Simon, a psychiatrist... Guy cannot form a sentence. Same. You know what? Forming a sentence is highly overrated. It really is. Just let it happen. (laughs) Let it all happen. So take two. They seek out the help of Benjamin Simon, a psychiatrist and neurologist who specialized in hypnosis, which was a mainstream technique, surprisingly, even in 1961. Really? Yeah, right? Even then? Even then. Wow. I just, I'm surprised. I don't, I don't know. I I, I guess I shouldn't be, but I don't know. You don't necessarily picture 1961 as this time that stands as a beacon for mental health right (laughs) you think the 60s and you're like repression all kinds of oppression very that all of it so it took months of intensive hypnosis but memories of the abduction became clearer this shit is insane now i'm just gonna go on record i don't i'm pretty skeptical about hypnosis in general Oh, same. Aliens, it's like totally, yeah, I believe in that. But like, (laughs) hypnosis Hypnosis is where you draw the line. (laughs) Aliens, sure. But psychiatry and hypnosis therapy, (laughs) I'm outie. I just, you know what I mean? Like the cheesy hypnosis where they're like, when you hear the sound of my voice, you're going to fall asleep. But when I snap my finger. Oh, no, no, that shit, no, no. Like, but you you're can, not a magician. You can watch the videos of their hypnosis sessions online. Really? They're brutal. Why didn't you show me those? We're going to have to watch this. Oh, yeah. No, they're brutal. We're immediately going to go watch that. And I seriously, like, if you want an interesting watch, go check it out. It's amazing. Uh, sorry for the digression. They're used to it at this point. It's episode three. <laughs> so, what came out in the hypnosis is... Yeah. Once they were inside this craft, spaceship, whatever you want to call it, the hills were separated, and they took turns in examination rooms that had curved walls and a large light hanging from the ceiling, and each was asked to climb up on a metal examination table. And apparently the table was so short, Barney's legs hung over the table, which is like, same yeah. Like, that's just a doctor's <laughs> office, bruh. Yeah, was, okay, like, I was trying to... <laughs> I was having such a hard time in my head picturing what you're talking about, but now I, you just have to say doctor's office. And I'm immediately right, like, oh, like yeah. I'm 6'1", at a doctor's office, my feet hang over the side. Do you think they had one of those little pull-out steps? For I them? hope they <laughs> did, because that'd be real cute. <laughs> So, the Hills recalled the gray beings often staring into their eyes and it having a, quote, mesmerizing effect on them. Ooh. So, like, back to that hypnosis thing. Yeah, like, Like, they're able to hypnotize people mesmerize their their minds. Right. I don't know. And during the examinations, the gray beings removed the Hills' clothing, plucked strands of their hair. What? Yeah. Took clippings of their nails... And scraped samples of their skin. Oh, oh, you think that's bad? Needles, which were connected to long wires, probed Barney and Betty's heads, arms, legs, and spines. No. Oh, yeah. No. 
one large needle, approximately six inches, was inserted into Betty's stomach, which she remembered left her writhing in pain. Well, yeah. Yeah. Shit. Yeah, oh shit. (laughs) Fuck. She recalled this being a crude pregnancy test, which then the skeptic in me is like, how do you know what it specifically is? Well, yeah, that, yeah, absolutely. Like, and also, maybe it's the stereotype that extraterrestrials are really, like, technologically advanced. But I, in my mind, I imagine that they would have a more sophisticated pregnancy t- than t- just chance. Jam- <laughs> yeah. Than just would. jamming this giant needle. Like, yeah, I mean, come, come on. on. Like, come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Get out of here. Come on. Throughout all of these procedures, mm. A being that Barney and Betty referred to as the leader. Ew, I don't like that. No. Watched everything from the side of the examination room. Like just observing with this like menacing aura. This is all reminding me of American Horror Story double feature part two. I guess American Horror Story was reminding you of this. You got me there. You got me, Walt. Because this happened in the 60s, buddy. (laughs) Um, so after this, Betty remembers that after her examination ended, the gray beings rushed back into her examination room, quite excited as they had discovered that Barney's teeth could be removed. What? Yeah. And Betty Uh, laughs and she explains to them that, huh, Barney has dentures. Oh, okay. And according to her, these gray beings really struggle to understand this. Human aging seems absolutely foreign to them. Oh, okay. I like the idea. Aliens that are immortal. I yeah. Like that. I like that. Yeah, they're just like, okay, dentures, aging, what? Yeah. Apparently, they <laughs> are they immortal? Do they not like have to worry about brushing their teeth or no. dental hygiene at all? I, I live for this fantasy. Like, I am here for it. Yeah. Let's, go. Let's do it. Why not? Betty also <laughs> recalls later being alone with the leader yeah. and asking where the craft had flown, admitting that... She didn't know much of space in the universe. And according to Betty, the leader joked with her and said, quote, if you don't know where you are, there wouldn't be any point in telling you where I am. Uh, She's like cryptic. Yeah. I don't. That that makes makes no no sense. sense. Um, But however, later under hypnosis, Betty drew a star map shown to her on the ship. Oh, you are not ready for this shit. Oh, this star map, though. The star map was of the Zeta Reticuli, a cluster of stars that was then undiscovered. Yeah. That's crazy. Here's the thing. That cluster of stars, y'all, was not officially discovered and named until seven years after Betty drew that map. Right. Which is like, how the fuck did she know? It, you know, it lends a bit of, you know, credence to her story, if nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. And they don't line up perfectly. A lot of people, you know, I've noticed. A lot of people say they don't line up perfectly. But they're so close. And it wasn't even a thing yet. Like, it it is strange. Seven years later, an astronomer discovered this star cluster. Yeah, that's pretty strange. Yeah. Another thing. Mm -hmm. They were hypnotized separately. In separate sessions, and their accounts are almost identical. Wow. There's only one real difference in their stories. Really? Yeah. And that's that Betty says that the gray being spoke English, and Barney says that he heard them speak a mumbling language that he couldn't understand. But on the craft, they were in separate examination rooms, so... My theory, maybe these beings were making sure they had entirely different experiences. Um, I don't fucking know. I don't know shit about alien abductions, obviously, but I'm just spitballing. That actually does make sense. Um, No, I get that. I get what you're saying. And after hypnosis, Betty and Barney were willing to talk to family and friends about their experience and the occasional UFO researcher, but they did not talk about it publicly. Okay, so they weren't, like, jumping to go tell their story. Hell no. Okay. They're an interracial couple in 1961. They do not want to take that on. Yeah. That's Betty's words. Right. She's okay. like, no, thank you, ma'am. Okay. They literally made zero effort to seek publicity. 
Wow. However, in 1965, the Hill story was published in a local newspaper thanks to this shady dude. Uh-oh. Never fails. Never Some fails. shady dude. A reporter had somehow gotten the notes and audio tapes from a private conversation between the Hills and a UFO researcher and published a story about it without their consent. Huh. The, uh, this obviously brought a lot of scrutiny and public attention to the Hills, who, again, is an interracial couple living in the 60s. Yeah. And even though, you know, it's New England, it, it's 1961. Right. The Let's height of the be... civil rights movement. You can't, you, you can't escape that scrutiny, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, it's still something that, unfortunately, some people are not okay with for some reason. So, yeah. Yeah. In 1961... Yeah, I get it. I get it. It's really too, it's too bad though. Yeah. Yeah. So, but the Hills seem to embrace this. Okay. And they put a positive spin on it and they worked with writer John G. Fuller in 1966 to write the famed book, The Interrupted Journey, about the case. The book included Betty's sketch and the star map. Um, Obvi. We're going to put those on Insta. We have to. I was just going to ask you if you were going to. Oh, it's insane. (laughs) I I would be remiss not to share these with you all. They're Gorgina. Yes. Absolutely. Um, The book was extremely successful and went through many iterations and publications. Like, it was wildly successful. Okay. So they they made a lot of money, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, Okay. Um, And Barney, unfortunately, died of a cerebral hemorrhage. On February 25th, 1969, only three years Aww. after the book was published. Oh, that's really sad. Yeah. Um, he was only 46, Aww. making it more sad. Damn. But Betty went on to become a huge celebrity in the UFO community. Obviously. Huge. <laughs> yeah. And she claimed the gray beings visited her on and off for the rest of her life. They never stopped. They never stopped. Like she was just chilling huh. with the homies. Do you do you think do you think they were just uh, keeping up with her or what? I, keeping I, an eye on her maybe. I, like or maybe I, were they friends? Like I'm just I like kind of picture picturing Betty having this little tea party with the gray beings, <laughs> like yeah. making a little cucumber sandwich on the co- in their coastal house. Let's have a kiki. Exactly. Very <laughs> that. <laughs> Um, absolutely. I, in my fantasy, that's how it happened. Right. She's their leader, their best friend, like yes. in my fantasy. Yes. Um, sadly, Betty died of cancer on October 17th, 2004 at the age of 85. Oh, but she bring me down. Yeah, but, uh, she never remarried Aww. saying that she already had the love of her life, <laughs> which is just like wreck me. Wreck me right up. (laughs) You messed me up. (laughs) Sorry. Okay. So a lot of psychiatrists since the Betty and Barney Hill incident have said that the supposed abduction was uh, a hallucination brought on by the stress of being in interracial couples in the 1960s in the U.S. As we had mentioned, it's not the best time. No, and that makes... A lot of sense to me. Yes. Uh, Barney was a black man and Betty was a white woman. It was obviously just not a great time for equality in general. Not that, again, not that we've made as much progress as we should, speaking as, you know, a queer person. Yeah. We have a lot of work to do. I think I can speak on behalf of all of us, right? Agreed. Anyway, I digest. (laughs) Um... So Betty doesn't agree with that. She discounts it by saying that their marriage caused no notable problems with their friends or family. Okay, I fucking love that, as it should be. Absolutely. That's the world, the world, it's so easy. That's what. Thank you. It's just such an easy concept. Like, treat other people well. Don't be a dick. Like, Don't be kindness. an asshole. Ass, asshole. Don't be a racist. Literally. Uh, Don't be homophobic. Don't be transphobic. Don't be racist. It's really simple. It's too simple. I can't believe people can't get it. Anyway, back to Betty. (laughs) Other experts on top of uh, Betty's, um, you know, discounting our own, uh, these claims of 
struggle. Um, other experts have said that the Hills marriage ha- had nothing to do with the abduction. I'm inclined to agree with that. Yeah, I am too. I, I, it makes sense. Um, the rest of their experience um, is explained away through stress, sleep deprivation, and false memories created under hypnosis, which you do hear a lot about. Yeah. Yeah, and according to one skeptic in particular, the Hills are, quote, <laughs> I love this, poster children for not driving when sleep deprived. Okay, you know, uh, yeah. I mean, I think we've mm-hmm. all been driving <laughs> when we were a little too tired. Yes. And it's bad. It's bad. It is. And I will say, it's never gone that far. So <clears throat> I, I don't know if I entirely believe that it's sleep deprivation. No. But I do think that is a plausible explanation. It's a very plausible explanation. And I think it's as plausible as any of the other ones that have come out. For instance, um, another theory that's been thrown around involves uh, the TV series from the 60s called The Outer Limits. Have you ever heard of that? No, I have not. Um, I hadn't either, other than King's Island has this ride called The Outer Limits Flight of Fear, or at least it used to be called that. And I guess it was based on that. I. You know, uh, my, I didn't go to King's Island until we moved back here this year. Yeah, I think so. it's just called Flight of Fear now. But anyway, um, it was a show that was science fiction, obviously, as the name would suggest. I don't know, it just it's pretty obvious. Yeah. <laughs> but it's kind of like Twilight Zone-ish. Oh, I, I know that one. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of <laughs> like that. I never watched I never watched The Outer Limits, but it was kind of like that, you know. I think it was episodic, and um, I have, you know, uh, heard of it. In an article from 1990 entitled, quote, Entirely Unpredisposed, author Martin Kottmeyer brought up the idea that their memories may have been influenced by an episode of the show that just so happened to air two weeks before Barney and Betty's alleged encounter. I don't know. You don't think, is that a coincidence? Well... Specifically, let me go on, let me tell you more. Specifically, Kottmeyer believed that Barney's description of the extraterrestrials was strikingly similar to gray beings that were featured in the episode in question, especially in the description of eyes that wrapped up or around. Okay. And Kottmeyer went on to write, quote, Wraparound eyes are an extreme rarity in science fiction films. I know of only one instance, and that one instance that he was referring to was that episode of The Outer Limits called, um, so I had to look it up. <laughs> so we had a little, take, take a little break, do a little research. <laughs> it happens. It was called The Bellero Shield, and it aired in 1964. So it didn't air before the incident took place, but it did air before Barney's recollection of the aliens having the wraparound eyes. Only two weeks after. I'm just going to call bullshit on that whole thing. You think? Because it happened. First of all, it aired three years after the alleged abduction. That's fair. And like. That's a big. In all. This guy's going on. Like Barney talks about these eyes so much. In all of the research I did for this case, Barney didn't talk about any of these eyes. Okay. Like they came up in the one sketch. I'm going to chalk that one up to coincidence. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Call me crazy. Yeah. But to your credit, to back your theory up, a researcher actually did ask Betty about the show, The Outer Limits. And she replied that she had, quote, never heard of it. So I think that's fair. Same. Um, If she claims she's never heard of it, fine. I mean, and, and, and like you said, it happened after the incident. So why would they... Pull specific details from right, just show. from something in yeah. pop culture. Yeah, and like, what are the odds that they catch it on right. TV? There's no like DVR, no. TV, TiVo, no situation. Yeah, and okay, so there are other claims out there too that essentially amount to that same thing. Uh, some of them. So one is that Barney and or Betty were inspired by popular popular culture of the time. Um. It should really be pointed out just how different pop culture was then, though, versus now. Right. Like you said, there was no DVR. 
Um, it wasn't like everyone was privy to what was going on in every TV show or movie out there. Thank you. That's what I'm saying. Right. Yeah. They couldn't just binge it or stream it as they pleased. Right. You know? And um, so it's, it's not crazy to think that they hadn't caught that particular episode or that they just simply didn't see um, the movie. Uh, right. there, there was another movie that they were accused of ripping off of, but it, maybe they didn't cra- see it. It's not crazy to me at all to think they hadn't heard of something. We're talking about the fucking 60s. Exactly. It's not like, <laughs> it's not like they can stream it on Disney Plus after 45 days eternal style. Oh, don't get me started on waiting 45 days to see Eternals. Oh my gosh. Seriously, I can't wait. I won't go to a theater. It's I'm not, not going safe. to a movie theater. It's not safe. It is not safe, but I need to see the Eternals. Exactly. Yesterday. And it's a it's a it's a dilemma. I I was I paid the $29.95 to watch Black Widow and I loved it. And I waited for Shang-Chi and I Which hated almost the wait. killed me. I know. It was definitely worth the wait. And I know Eternals will be, but it's like I just and it's the first Marvel film with, like, obvious LGBT inclusion. Yeah. I need it. I, I need it so much. We're, we're digressing again. Yeah. It's fine. Anyway. So they can't do any of this. They can't even go out and film. It was just, it, it, the whole point is that, you know, it, it it's, it's kind of preposterous almost. Yeah. But I do kind of like the idea. Yeah. I don't know. I'm torn. I like it. Yeah. All in all, I think, you know... Betty and Barney's story is, I'll use the word plausible. I mean, they're credible people. And I don't see any reason to believe that they necessarily made it up or that they had a reason to. I want to believe it all so badly. Yeah. Like, I don't. Well, well, all in all, I I think it's a pretty plausible story. I mean, plausible, yes, but well, yeah, that's realistic. Not eh. realistic. N- not realistic, but plausible. I mean, they're credible people. I don't see any reason to believe that they would make it up. I mean, what reason would they have to? Fair. Okay, and like the recollections—they seem so authentic. Like that is exactly how I would probably react if this exact situation happened to me. I can't say the same. I mean. You, I'll, I'll rent it. You'll you'll rent it. You're not buying it. Not no, e- not even renting to own. No. Why? It's it's just too wild. It's too wild. Yeah, man. It's. I mean, I think all alien abduction stories are wild. That's like the whole point. <laughs> That's why we're interested in them. Okay, I I will say, of all the alien abduction stories, I've ever heard or researched yeah this is the only one that i would even consider renting to own you know what i'll take it that's you hear that everyone that's james one emma zero this time i'm gonna keep track (laughs) i still don't believe it though you don't no okay well honestly if i'm being realistic i don't think it's that likely i really want it to be true though i really want it to be but i i think it's just probably not. No, nope. Uh, it'd be really cool if it was, though. Yeah, I want nothing more than to see aliens on Earth and just, you know, be a witness to that. Oh, God, no, no, no. I don't I don't need them on Earth. Why not? No, like, just confirmation that they're out there. I, I think that'd be pretty neat. Well, yeah, I'd take it, but why don't you want them on Earth? I don't need any of that. <laughs> I don't think they're necessarily going to be, like, evil. Oh, I don't think they're evil. I just don't want them on Earth. That's just too much pandemonium and hubbub. No, okay, that's fair. I, I, I don't know. Maybe it'll happen someday, but I kind of feel like, this is my opinion, if, if it was going to happen, wouldn't it have likely happened already? Wouldn't we all know about aliens? Thank you. Very that. Like the Earth wasn't just... Born yesterday. Like, why wouldn't they have shown up in the millions of years the Earth has been here? Exactly. And I mean, there are people that think they have. But the point is, why wouldn't they make themselves known? There would be proof. Yeah. I mean, they have nothing to be scared That's of. All. Why would they be scared of us? We've got nothing. That's all. Yeah. Definitely. So, wrapping up this whole thing. Yeah. Do you have any strange news for us this week? Nope. I have what? absolutely nothing. <laughs> what? R- really? 
<laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But could, could you imagine if I just did that to you? Like, just totally left you hanging well, like that? Uh, I guess that's the end of the episode, folks. Bye! <laughs> that's the end. Cut, print, wrap, moving on. Cut the check. So, actually, for Strange News this week, I just have to ask you one question, Emma. Go for it. Have you ever heard of the hum? The fucking what now? No. Me neither. But, but it turns out there's this strange phenomenon going on in the world where people all over are hearing a low, like, humming or droning sound. It. Oh, I don't... No, weird. Yeah, no, it gets weirder. There are reports from all over the globe. Like, these strange occurrences aren't limited to any specific geographical region. They have been reported in San Francisco, Bristol in England, uh, Kokomo, Indiana, Denmark, Windsor, Ontario, and Cuba, among uh, possible other places. Mm-mm. Yeah. I don't like that. That's creepy. Isn't that crazy? Oh, for sure. I agree 100%. So people describe the hum as a constant low-pitch drone, and no one seems to know where it's coming from. A lot of people uh, describe it as a vibration as well. In most circumstances, people actually report vibration that goes through their bodies. Through um, their bodies? Yes. And they've described, some people have described it as it's almost like they're standing up against a wall and there's a, a, a jackhammer going on right on the other side, outside. Oh. Yeah, so it's, a, it's an intense vibration. Uh, so in some instances... The sounds have even reported to have been reported to make people physically sick. Like uh, people had nausea, vomiting, nosebleeds, headaches, extreme stress. Like uh, there were some people that said it bothers them so much they can't even sleep. Oh well, yeah, it'd be pretty fucking hard to sleep with a jackhammer <laughs> vibrating the shit out of your body. <laughs> It would. It, that, that's a really good point, actually. It sounds horrible. Like, I, I feel so horrible for these people. Um, so, according to The Guardian, the phenomenon is actually not all that uncommon. How the fuck is this not uncommon? Okay, so beginning, it was uncommon, or at least it was not reported, until around the mid-1970s. And then, since then... More and more people have randomly reported hearing this mysterious hum. And uh, it is estimated, and this is the Guardian that said, it's estimated around 4% of the global population will hear it at some point in their life. That is so fucking strange. Can you just, can, can you just stop the planet? <laughs> I'm done. It, yeah, agreed. It's one of the strangest things ever. And um, there are a ton of you know, logical, plausible, potential explanations. Everything from um, animal mating calls to volcanic eruptions to electromagnetic charges and interference all the way to sound and vibration caused by um, a, a jet stream shearing against uh, slower moving air. But the weirdest part is that, at least as of now, no one can definitively identify the cause of this mysterious hum. That's horrifying. It really is. And, and like, they're like, oh, well, it could be this or this or this. We don't know. Uh-huh. And these are all experts who are like, oh, yeah, it could be this, but I have no way to prove it. There's no way to, I, it's, it freaks me out. Oh, I forgot to mention, um, there were also some um, claims that I couldn't substantiate that it could be some kind of sonic warfare equipment you know from somewhere else okay hi it's me the broken record that's horrifying it is so uh if you're out there listening keep an eye out for the hum if you you know hear or feel it uh definitely let us know and also like probably let authorities and or medical professionals of some sort know too fuck that <laughs> if you hear the hum or feel it run <laughs> That, I would do that, too. Probably all yeah, three. For sure. Do I would be three. fucking freaking out if that happened to me. <laughs> same. Same. For sure. Um, well, that just about does it, I think, for this week's episode. Yeah? Well, we hope you've enjoyed. Yeah, we really hope you enjoyed this one. We know this one was a bit of a pivot. For sure. 
Uh, but we like hope you continue listening and feel free to like, subscribe, rate, and review. We always really appreciate it. Yeah, we certainly do. And uh, if you'd like to reach out, as always, please feel free to. We'd love to hear from you. Please do. We'd love to hear from all of you gorgeous, strange little divas. Yes. If you want to send a raven, you know where. On Twitter, at that strange pod. Yes, and if that pesky quill ran out of ink again, but you still got a comment, question, or suggestion, please feel free to send us a missive at thatstrangepodcast at gmail.com. And if you want to peruse a collection of Polaroids pertaining to this story and others, follow us on Instagram at That Strange Podcast. Thanks again for tuning in, and we do hope you'll catch us next week. This is That Strange Podcast reminding you, as always, to look after one another and to be kind to each other. That's right. That is right. Damn right. Fucking right. Shit and fucking fucking right. Ha, 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 ha.